Hi, welcome to the Creative Review Podcast. I'm Eliza Williams, and for today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to chat with illustrator and artist Pete Fowler. Pete is famed for his monsterism set of characters, which have appeared as artworks and toys, and also for his extensive collaborations with the musicians Super Fairy Animals. We're also talking to Pete today in part because he has a new book out which looks back at 30 years of his work through his sketches. Welcome to the show, Pete. Thanks for having me. So to start, maybe we should just chat a bit about the book to kick it off. Um, So it's published by Unbound, which is a crowdfunding uh, publisher. Why did you choose to go that way? Um, Well, they actually approached me. Uh, I've been thinking about, I've been contacted by quite a few people over the years about doing a book. Um, doing a, an art book, um, which is always quite overwhelming because then you think, I've got to find all the photographs, rescan stuff. It's quite an overwhelming thought. Yeah. So um, when I got approached by Unbound, uh, we were chatting about what the book could be. And I always loved the idea of doing a book of sketches because quite often, something you don't really see of artists, illustrators' work, quite often, you know, work sketches can be quite personal yeah. or can be like work in progress or ideas, which is not off, not everyone always wants to share with people. Um, so I thought, well, I've got the content there, um, 30-odd years of sketchbooks, so um, they really liked the idea. Um, so, yeah, it, it, we edited, went through a ridiculous amount of sketchbooks. I bet. Does it go all the way back to the start? Yeah, it goes back um, to, I think there's some stuff there from my, oh, there definitely is some stuff there from my art foundation I did okay. in Cardiff, yeah. Right. Because I did, um, uh, yeah, I did art foundation in Cardiff and then went on to do a uh, fine art degree in Family School of Art. Okay, so it has things so from there. Yeah, so it's, uh, and I've always kept sketchbooks. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just go through loads in a year. Other times I'll draw less. It depends what's going on. But I've always kept them. And they're, without trying to be, they're quite diary-like. So that was a weird thing, going through all the drawings. Um, you get a lot of memories being triggered. And yeah. yeah, all sorts of things. And has your style changed much, do you think? Um, yeah, I think so. Although it is surprising sometimes how it kind of comes comes round. There's some some things I was doing perhaps... Wow, almost 20 years ago that I've seen sort of pop up again. So the styles could have changed here and there, but it, I think it, it, it does like, I, I, it's really funny because I can, I, some of the sketchbooks I look through and go, oh yeah, that's when I was just, that's when I started using an automatic pencil. Right. You know, as, uh, you know, d- 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 compared to like a regular, yeah. uh, regular pencil. So you see things, little things like that, or you've just got a new pen and you're just binging on it or new material. So you kind of see that through it, which is quite yeah, nice. Yeah, it's quite intimate actually then. Yeah, it? yeah. And there's um, various things that I was working on. There's a lot of drawings for that. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's kind of for me, it's interesting to go back. Um, and actually when the books were being scanned, uh, they were away out of my studio for, for a good chunk of time. And that was kind of quite weird because I always go back, I always dip mm. into my old, my sketchbooks. So I always keep my last year or two sketchbooks to hand and I always dip through them because for me, it's, they're part of kind of how I think really. A lot of drawings in my sketchbooks, I will, for want of a better word, just doodle, um, just stream of consciousness stuff or other things I'm working stuff out. So I quite often dip back into them and I kind of see, I treat my sketchbooks kind of like an, a resource really of ideas. Mm. So quite often I'll just, you know, draw, draw, draw without thinking about it. 
close the book and then you know maybe a year or two later I'll flick through it and go oh yeah there's, yeah. A, there's something I can pick up on, on again so, so um, your process very much then yeah without a doubt I think I said to someone before um, you know if you take drawing away from what I do I don't wouldn't have an art practice really uh, it's, it's essential I don't think I don't think I've there's some things I do on say Illustrator I'll kind of freestyle and play around with stuff without any drawing but everything I do is, 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 is starts with a drawing in some way. Either it could be a very finished drawing, something I know what I want, or it could be a, just a rough idea, a start, a sort of little genesis of an idea that then I'll, I'll develop through using sort of digital software. Mm. And so going back 30 years, mm. <laughs> was that the case from the very start? When did you first start kind of getting interested in drawing? And um, well, I grew up on comics and watching okay. cartoons, so... Um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to read Beano and all the classic sort of comics. Then my granddad used to buy me war comics, which um, gives you a smattering in German. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then 2000 AD came out, um, and I it, it just jumped out from the from the the shelves of the newsagent, and my mum wasn't sure about it because it looked quite subversive, and she. I must have just nagged her and nagged her, and she bought that for me, and I wasn't interested in any of the comics. It's like the Beano, all those of the comics, I'm like, okay. yeah, these, no, this is, this is, this is more like it. It was had attitude, it was punky, it was quite subversive. You know, we got away considering it was marketed to kids. It was quite, a, quite a subversive thing, 2008, and I think it had its own um, British take on sci-fi or, or you know, that sort of um, future. Um, stories uh and i used to copy that i used to copy okay. characters from that and maybe maybe actually before that i was you know i'm from star wars generation i went to see it when it came out uh, okay. in the cinema so i used to just copy stuff that's all that's when i was a kid i used to copy things just drawings of characters from star wars or copying character my favorite characters from 2000 ad which is nemesis the warlock for anyone out there who's listening <laughs> who's uh, nerdy um uh yeah so i used to copy stuff um and it wasn't really until um, I was starting Art Foundation, really, that I think I've got the confidence to draw. Because I had a big shot. I got um, got kicked. Well, I got asked to leave school. Okay. <laughs> kicked out. To, <laughs> ki- kicked out. Sort of probably playing it up. That was some sort of you know rebel smoking cigarettes behind the bike sheds, but I wasn't. But um, I was asked to leave school. Are you allowed to ask why then? <laughs> um, it would be better for the school and myself if I left. Okay. I was just slacking. I was right, just slacking. okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't a bad kid. Yeah, yeah. Just wasn't so I went place. to uh, a technical college to do my A-level art. And I was really shocked by the level of um, to the students there. I was like, wow, I've really got to pull my socks up. Mm. So um, I scraped into Art Foundation and I did, I think it was around the time I started doing my own, I'd say characters, but doing work for my imagination. But um, my weak point was life drawing. So I enrolled myself in like loads of um, night classes for, for life drawing while I was doing foundation. Okay. Um, so my big thing was observational drawing. And then actually thinking about it, that was, I think, essential for me. Because I, I think... Don't think it's absolutely necessary, but it definitely helps um, to have an understanding of of the human form, not like a very strict or detailed anatomical knowledge. But I think it really helps to know how a human um, is in a way the proportions to then to then exaggerate it and and 
so that that for me was a big thing. So, so I think doing that gave me a bit more confidence to do my own kind of ideas or work purely from imagination. So it was yeah, it was probably pre pre art foundation that I started drawing stupid things from my was your because you have such a distinctive style was that in evidence at that point or did that um, it was I think it was starting to it's kind of quite scratchy um but I think it's just I think that's just a confidence thing yeah I think um uh what I think doing it you become more confident you get to know um you know, how you stylize thing or the economy of line or you know is it is it shaded is it just a simple line drawing so you're kind of finding your finding your way and your almost shorthand in, 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 and your visual vocabulary i think that's the thing that i always always think about um it's, i think you do develop a visual vocabulary mm. you know where things you can draw something really quickly you go oh yeah i know what that looks like you do it and sometimes you work things out and quite often drawing something that you would wouldn't often draw which often comes up in commercial field okay um can actually it's interesting sometimes when you when you 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 try and draw something you think well how do i draw that you know Mm. how 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 do i um transfer what i normally draw to that so it's quite so it's quite interesting i think i'm always i'm always um yeah i'm always kind of like fine-tuning it or finding out how how you do how you would interpret a, um, an object or a thing, mm. a person, or, or yeah. Um, so I think going go going and going to our foundation again, I had another uh, sort of level up. I thought, wow, again, these these students are, are much better than I am. Okay, you know, um, but that galvanised you by the sounds of things. Yeah, than you off. Oh no, is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, I was inspired by a lot of my fellow students, and we had really good tutors um, and. Art Foundation card was really good. You had the real taste of all different types of mediums, working in different ways. Mm. Um, so I knew I wanted to paint. I always loved painting and drawing. Um, so it was a combination of the two. And then later on in, when I went to fine art, I did a lot, was in a um, mixed media studio, so printmaking, sculpture, painting. Okay. Lot, you have access to all the different studios. Yeah, yeah, that's the fun of it really, isn't it? To yeah. Try all the stuff yeah. Out. yeah, yeah. Yes, and so, what kind of happened next? Did you see yourself as being someone who would make money from this kind of work? Did you hope it would go that way? Where were you? Where were your thoughts at? At this um, point? When I was doing my fine art degree, I didn't have a clue. Yeah, I was just enjoying it. Um, I found this was my first. Not to dwell too long on 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 that, but very briefly, didn't get into Bristol. Got into Falmouth by the skin of my teeth, and loved it. I mean, I used to go to Cornwall a lot when I was a kid. I used to skateboard then, so there was loads of skate parks. Because you grew up in Wales, right? Yeah, Cardiff's, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Cardiff's my hometown. Yeah. Um, I surfed as well, so Cornwall was a great place. It was quite a long way away from the rest of the country, but I thought that was, <laughs> in retrospect, that was really good. But no, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the course for what it was um, and sort of developing my own artwork, uh, I suppose. But yeah, just just throw myself into the course. But I think go, as I was going through it, I realised I wasn't that interested in being a fine artist. Mm. I think I butted up against a lot of the theory. Um, I, I remember um, someone saying, uh, I was looking at their artwork and this, and I was like, oh, I quite, quite like that. It's quite interesting. He said, have you read any um, Foucault? And I was like, no, I haven't even. Yeah, you're not going to really get this. And I was like, wow, this is. I, I, I always struggled with the, 
with the, with the theoretical side or okay. the conceptual side of fine art. And yeah. obviously coming from a comics bent and more illustrative, I, I know sometimes think maybe I should have done an illustration course, but I think fine art was, was really good in it. And there's things I learned for those three years that I use every day. Um, so yeah, so I, I came out of um, that. Most of my fellow students wanted to move to London and become an artist, you know, a successful artist in a studio and, mm. you know, having a, a and gallery. What, what, where are we now? What's 91. 91. 91, okay, so yeah. So London obviously was quite a different place. Yeah, the golden point. age of rave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cheaper living in London, right? So yeah, absolutely. Of, you know, yeah. yeah. I, so I, um, I, I started a comic, a uh, small press comic with uh, two friends of mine. Um, and one you of, moved to London, did you? This was still in Cornwall. Okay. This was still in Cornwall. So a, f uh, a fellow um, student of mine um, and another friend of mine who moved down to Cornwall from Nottingham, we started this comic called Slouch. So we, uh, small press, we did it ourselves, did it, got it printed for the local paper, newsprint. It was absolutely, it just cost absolutely buttons to do. It was mm. incredible. Um, so yeah, we did a newsprint, classic newsprint thing. And we got in the, f uh, we had like a small distributor um, so they did all the small press fairs in London around the country. And um, the Face magazine picked up on it, which was quite mad. So we got in the Face magazine, and we were living in a tiny little flat in, in Cornwall, yeah. and got in the Face mag. So we were like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then um, I didn't really know, I, I, I got kind of frustrated being in Cornwall because I just thought there aren't the opportunities um, to further what I want to do or get into comics or illustration. I, I was still interested in painting, and I was doing a lot of painting, but I think it was more, I was veering more towards comics illustration mm. um, sort of field. Uh, and then a friend of mine who was working in London just gave me gave me a break, uh, offered me a job doing artwork for a clothing shop in Soho called um, Home. Okay. So I did a lot of their, I did a lot of t-shirt designs for them, signs, and then, uh, then I got into the club culture doing backdrops for clubs, flyers, lots of things like that. Yeah. And then I was just, I, I put myself out there. I mean, pre-internet, well, burgeoning internet. Um, and I literally used to turn up at advertising agencies, my portfolio, unannounced. Okay. So I, just go, so I don't think of you in an advertising context so much, but of course. Yeah, I've done, I've done, um, I've done sort of a fair amount of advertising work over the years. Um, but yeah, I literally turned up at Bartle Bogan Hegarty and like, all right, I'm here in my portfolio. Quite naive. But yeah. also with that sort of naive confidence in a way. Um, it's going, and how did they react? Did they get a um, a lot of people were like, "Oh, okay," because uh, I think you just turned up unannounced. Um, <laughs> and then I think BBH said like, "Oh, if, can you come back?" And I think I came back like twenty minutes later. And I think they were just <laughs> like, "Who is this? Who's this idiot? Who's this idiot?" So um, just by persistence, really. And because yeah. I think someone actually told me, "Just, just go around, just." Go go in, you know. Look up, look up the, where the advertising agencies are, or the whatever agencies. Just just literally knock on their door. Yeah. Um, and I did, <laughs> and I did, and I left my portfolio with them. And I think out of one of those drops, I got my uh, got my first um, advertising job. Um, Who was that with? That was for um, it was a unisex fragrance. This is back in the mm. day of um, you know CK one where okay. people were going for the unisex. So um, I can't remember the. Um, I can't remember the name of the the perfume, but it was quite it was quite edgy, um, and it was very gearing itself towards people that go to clubs, and um, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be able to get away with this nowadays. 
So in a magazine where you have like a tear off um, sample yeah. of the fragrance uh -huh. that you just rub, rub your wrist against or whatever, what they did was they, they basically recreated a, um, a, a wrap of cocaine or uh, how, how cocaine... The 90s. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you opened up this wrap and then you smelt the fragrance. It's like, okay. wow, really? Are you, are you really going to do this? So it got, you know, it, it kind of... Um, True, there would be a lot of fuss about that on social media now. Can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The benefits of pre-internet, perhaps. Yes, so. yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so, you know, quite quite provocative campaign. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th so that that was the result of me just going around to, to you know... So you were making persistent. your money from quite early on then, in that sense? Um, no, I was broke. Okay. I was totally broke. When I first moved to London, I was kind of hand-to-mouth. But at the same time... A lot of people I was knocking around with had memberships for private clubs, members clubs and all that. So I slipstreamed through yeah. I had a very nice time. Although eating beans and yeah. instant noodles, mostly, I was at night going to like two or three clubs a night. Yeah. Going to like members bars, just, just on the coattails of <laughs> friends and people yeah. I kind of got to know really. Um, and then I, I used to put on, uh, I started to put on... Um, small exhibitions in bars. Because I think I had that thing about, I don't, I'm not interested in galleries. Right now I'm not interested in galleries because the whole, it seemed for me a, a quite a closed door, mm. not not but going from- what galleries were around there? Were white, was White Cube up? Yeah, was White Cube, I suppose, yeah. And there was, um, I mean, obviously you got your established, like, you know, there was still a lot of galleries in Cork Street then, but there was a lot yeah. of in, independent ones and then all the galleries were popping up in East London. And I think because I didn't go from doing a BA to an MA, I just like, right, I wasn't quite like get me out of this fine art degree, but I was quite, I, I really enjoyed it, but I was quite happy to leave and go, right, I want to be. It's really weird. Go, go rewind right back. When I was about 12, I don't know why, but I, 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 in my head, I thought I want to be a commercial artist. I must have seen something on TV or I must have thought maybe comics art was commercialized, but I mm. thought I want to be a commercial artist. So, I mean, and that's... It's interesting, kind of, isn't it? Because often yeah. that's... And that phrase almost has died away, I suppose, now, mm. hasn't it? It's sort of... I suppose... designer. But yeah, at I suppose that time, that, it would have been... Yeah, I suppose that would have been... It would have been illustrator, right? right? We've yeah. been an illustrator and commercial artist. Someone is paying you to do a picture to be yeah. used for... Yes. Know, so you ne know, never had that... Agricultural manual or, or a magazine cover, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't have that kind of sense of, I want to be uh, respected for my own thing I mean I guess you obviously you can be that still as a, a professional mm. illustrator and so on but there seems to be a slight mindset difference between being a fine artist and being a commercial artist in the yeah. sense of how you yeah you see your role I think I think for me it was a reaction against sort of um of being able to only be able to appreciate artwork if you can understand all the layers if you can get yeah. inside the artist's mind and read the books they've been reading, look at the artwork. And I just I just wanted, like, in the same way that I looked at comics or I looked at sort of the visual culture of skateboarding yeah. um, and small press, underground comics. Just for me, it was instant. Yeah, obviously. Well, obviously yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, very immediate. Uh, obviously, comics are different. You, 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 there's more of a story in there. But, um, you know, for, for me, I... I Within a, in a millisecond of looking at something, I decide, my, my brain decides, I like that. Yeah. I really like that. I want to see more of that person's work. And there was loads of amazing stuff going on at that time, of course. Oh, well. yeah. So, yeah. It was a really rich time. In yeah, that and the, 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 certainly for comics, um, you know, 
I mean, it's it's changed now. I think it's it's, it's much healthier now. But back then, you know, it was it, Britain. The, the heart of comics in Britain were beating very strongly from, um, you know, mainstream comics to then you know underground comics. And you had like you know Jamie Hewlett, Tank mm. Girl, a little bit later, but, but Deadline magazine. Um, and then you go to small press fairs and people were doing their own comics and zines, and it was good. I mean, it's very. I think you know DIY culture was 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 it, and yeah. I think that's. When I left when I when I left college, stayed in Falmouth. Well, I ended up moving back to Falmouth, but uh, cut a long story short, we used to do our we used to do our comic slouch, but we also used to screen print our own T-shirts and make badges all in the front room. So it was okay. like a proper DIY thing and making things for making things on a tiny budget because that's that's all you had. You yeah. know, it was just like right, how can we do this? And I think it's that DIY ethos is is probably one of the most important things. I think sort of drawing a lot and having that attitude that I can do this I don't need loads of money to do it and in fact let's let's how much money have I got to do this and then you 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 basically look at what you can do with that and I, I think and, you know, and I still do I still do that mm. you know and it, it, it's sort of to me it's instilled in me like right no one's going to give you a break to do it do it yourself yeah you know yeah, it's yeah, no yeah. point waiting around I mean like what you know you have this sort of your ego Things like why aren't people hunting me? You know, hunting yeah. me down and banging down my door to sort of get, they give me loads of money to do something. You yeah. know, just it, make it, it happen. Yeah, and yeah. make it happen. So that's something that I've always that I, I I've I've sort of kept. So you must fit. It must have been quite a comfortable journey into things like Instagram and stuff like that for you then. In that sense, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, tw- Twitter was the first thing, and but yeah, Instagram. I um, uh, I had I, I I had Instagram and then just didn't really use it for about almost a year and I kind of forgot about it and it wasn't so much it wasn't as big a thing as it was then but yeah that that's I, yeah I jumped on that straight away this yeah. is brilliant the advantage of being and one of the, yeah and I think one of the things I love as I love most about Instagram is people a lot not a lot of people do this but I, I really like um people showing work in progress mm. on Instagram and I also like um what a better word um, I, quite, I quite like using this term. People, sh- people, not not literally, but people kind of showing you their ass in terms of <laughs> of just saying this is how it is. You yeah. know, it's that whole thing, and it is a big problem at the moment where people have like um, you know almost set designed their life. Mm. So you know what you see on Instagram is no way reality. You know, and you know you see some people. It's fine if you know if you've got a very clinical studio that looks like a sort of NASA laboratory. That's fine, but you know, I like seeing things that are just a bit rough around the edges, or, or rea- reality, really. Yeah, you know, I, I like seeing like things how insight, it is. I think, yeah, too. and I love and I love artists and illustrators that show work in progress or or, or share something with with with, with someone um, or with anyone really that wants to follow. So I, I kind of I find it, it great to share my work, but also I really like to see people, and I like to see people just go, well, this failed. Or yeah. this, this, you know, you know, this didn't, didn't, didn't yeah. go well because you know not everything just, just comes off the pencil perfectly. You know, sometimes you fill up a bin full of scrunched up paper, or you end up painting over a painting, or you know, um, that's how that's how it is as a sort of as a as a creative person. You know, you you you, you have failures, you have failures, yeah. but you know. Your cliche is you do learn from your mistakes, and I think it's good to show your sort of fallibility and you know the fact that you know some days you can't 
in George Stickman, mm-hmm. you know, and I like to communicate that, not like... Rant. Do you have, think, when that happens, do you have sort of, beyond just communicating it, do you have techniques to get yourself out of that if you're in a bit of a kind of... Um, yeah, I, um, I've, I've kind of engineered my, how I work um, to sort of cater for that in a way, and I think I've got quite a short, sometimes quite a short attention span with some things. So in my studio, I've got my setup with my computer, um, and then I, for the last couple of years, I've been doing wood carving, which I've always wanted to do. Um, so I've got a little area where I do my wood carving, and then I've got another area where I paint. So in you know, uh, in any given day, I'll be drawing, then using Illustrator, and then I'll go over and do a bit of wood carving for half an hour, half an hour or an hour, or do a bit of painting. So I'm kind of quite often bouncing mm. in different different disciplines. So. Um, Actually, last week I was having problems with something. I thought, right, I'm just going to do some wood carving for an hour. And wood car- wood carving is great for me because I don't think about anything else when I'm doing it. Nothing at all. Because it's like so think. physical. Um, no, they, I, I make they're quite small things really. So I, I, it's kind of this is kind of more like whittling in a way in 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 terms of the scale. But it's just like that sort of focused um, nature and and working with wood. There's no rush. You can take your time. Stop. Look at it. Think what you're going to do. It's just. Um, yeah, it, it, it seems to just sort of um, shut down any other things. Because sometimes when I'm, I'm illustrating, I'll be thinking about the thing that I've got to do two things down from the list, and it can be kind of a little bit mm. distracting. Whereas to do something where you're just thinking about what you're doing right then is really good in a bit of a reset. It, it, that, that's how I work in that medium. But when I come back, it's just like you do feel like, oh, right, okay, I can have a little bit more clarity now. Or sometimes you can spot something. Um, I used to go to um, the Museum of Stolen Goods, uh, aka the British Museum, uh, quite often. <laughs> Give them back. Um, and just draw there. And uh, one of the things that really lit me up once was Greek pottery. Okay. I didn't really know, but I didn't really... I was aware of it, but I went in there going, right, I need some inspiration. Let's just go and look at things. Quite often, if I'm stuck, I like to look at things that were made a long time ago. Um, and Greek pottery just blew my mind, because I was looking at these pots and... You could see the lines of the figures and the way they were painted on. And you kind of feel an affinity with that. You go, wow, I've done kind of lines like that. And then you just, you know, all those years disappear and you, mm. you just, you, you're enjoying the energy of the painting, the energy of the design. And uh, uh, I don't know, it, it's, I always, I always, uh, so my favorite artwork I think is timeless. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I like, I don't look at that much of what's going on in Trent. I used to, but I've stripped back, like, for example, going back to Instagram, I've stripped back a lot of people I follow. Sorry, friends out there who I might have unfollowed, because <laughs> you're too good. Your work's depressing. <laughs> you're too damn good. But I like, I like to, I like to look at, the, I, I don't like to pay attention to trends yeah. in, 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 in visual art, if I can help it. Well, I imagine it's sort of, it's a bit limiting, actually. Yeah, and I think, it, and I think it maybe sometimes you can be unconsciously influenced by that. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I, going back to the pottery, it's like to see something that was made thousands of years ago, but it still looks bright as a button and yeah. sharp as a pin, and you can, you can, you fi- you can feel a connection with what you do, drawing or painting to the unknown artisan that made that pot you know um, yeah yeah and the so, great stuff always still looks like oh absolutely fresh yeah yeah i mean i was my, my big inspiration i suppose going before going to art school i was i was 
really into the Impressionists, really into, um, well, certain certain Impressionists I was into. Gorgan I loved, and a bit of, bit of Suzanne. Um, <laughs> but I love Peter Blake and Hockney. Yeah. They're my two favourites. And I think because I was I was more drawn to, to pop art yeah. side of things. But I very I, I, I very rarely go to a, f- go and look at fine art. Yeah. I look at ancient art, yeah, like old Sumerian, Egyptian stuff, all, all, all sorts really. And kind of, I really like that um, um, that exhibition that um, uh, Grace and Perry curated mm. at the. That was the V. No, was that Royal the British? Academy? No, no, no. It, it was the, the, was it the V and A where he basically curated. He went into the collection and curated curated work. But his whole thing was like. Oh, I think yeah, it was no, the summer show thing he did. No, it's a few years back okay, now. He, 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 yeah, he basically went into the archive and just pulled loads of stuff out, and it was all kind of artifacts and pieces mm. of, of of artwork. And then he made this ship out of casts of different objects, and it was like a, it was like a sort of tribute to the unknown artisan, and because no one knows who made all these various different pieces over the over the centuries or the millennia. Mm. Um, so yeah, for me, if if I'm stuck. I'll jump onto another thing I'm doing in my studio or I'll go out and look at things that were made ages ago. Yeah. And it just seems to give you something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wanted to talk about Super Furry Animals because that's something just personally I I love the band and so I know your work very well through there and I feel like I kind of maybe discovered your work through them, I would have thought. Okay. Um, So that's me personally, but maybe that's true of a lot of people. Was it? it, It's obviously a big collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. How Um, did that all start? Completely by chance. So I moved to I moved to London. I think I was in London about a year or two. Um, and being from Cardiff, uh, a very good friend of mine, Bethan Elfin, she was writing um, for a uh, a Welsh language free paper in Cardiff. So paper, it was just like a four page thing, cultural thing, looking at music, artwork, and um, uh, the story. I, I, she put my artwork on the cover. And her little story was like Welsh artist in London, sort of, you know, doing, making his way in London. Yeah. Um, and Super Fury Animals saw it, didn't really read the article, but they just saw it, really liked the artwork. And um, somehow Creation Records got my number, which to this day, I still don't know how they got it. Um, but they did. Yeah. <laughs> and just called me up and said, we've got this band, Super Fury Animals, you signed. I was like, yeah, I know them very well. I've got the first album. And... Um, and that was it, the start of a long, fruitful mm. relationship. And I think, um, yeah, I think that was an introduction to, to to most people of my work. I, mean, I don't really know, apart from doing club flyers, a few skateboards, we had that little bit in the face magazine, slouch comics. Um, that was my big break. Yeah. And we're talking prior to starting to record this about the music business being a very different beast back then. There was, mm, there was a lot more money. money. <laughs> so there was their second album on Creation, uh, Radiator, and my first um, artwork I did for them. And so you had billboard-sized posters, you know, okay. or big eight sheets and full-colour uh, magazine adverts. So, you know, immediately my work was the, was like the visual identity of the band because the band I think at the time Britpop there was a lot of sort of poster boys at the time you know got a good looking girls and guys you know in bands yeah. um, the band were like we don't want our we don't, we don't want our photographs we don't yeah, want it was really distinctive I remember it really yeah I think they, 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 were, they were I think they were like looking for um, 
some sort of visual identity, didn't really know what it was, and then saw my work and went, okay, this this could be interesting. So it was quite daunting. The first thing, went for an interview, went for a meeting with them, and um, uh, they gave me some uh, rough rough mixes of the songs and potential track titles. And Griff from the band said, oh, if you get inspired by any of these, great. If you don't, do what you want. And I was like, I was always like, do what you want. Do what you want. Do what you want. Like, <gasps> so, you know. Is that, that a bit intimidating, actually? Well, because I love their music. And, uh, and, uh, um, and the fact that they're Welsh. And mm. I think it was around that time um, that, that I think Welsh culture was... Um, I started to have a bit more of an identity, or, 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 or was you know, thanks to like bands like Manic Street Preachers and Catatonia, you know, it was like cool, cool. Yeah. You know, being Welsh was 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 cool. Yeah, there was a Welsh wave. Yeah, air quotes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 was that was that was a, a, a big deal for me. So um, and I loved their music, and I thought oh, this is this is brilliant. But um, I didn't really know. I knew they, 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 they tell me what they liked of my artwork, but I didn't really know what, what to do. So, um, so I just threw myself in it and just did, as I, as I normally do, did loads and loads of drawings and faxed them over to creation. Oh, Still got the fact. Yeah, I've still got some <laughs> of the faxes. So, yeah, that was the start of it, really. Uh, um, so my work was on small billboards, magazine adverts, flyers, the first, um, the singles from four when... Back in the day, when there used to be four singles off an album, the sing seven-inch singles um, all came as a poster. So you unfolded the seven-inch single, and it'd be a big poster of my artwork. So mm. you know that that was it, it, it. Kind of got out there. I think people started to. So I started to get a little bit more work commercially as well, um, and then all the other things that involved with working for a band merchandise. Um, they're going on tour, so they need mm. this, and then I started to work. Um, more music videos for them, and they're a very ambitious band. They, 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 you know, they, they, um, they did like a sort of uh, made a DVD of one album where they commissioned a, a, a short film for each track. Actually, two short films for each track. So they were a very ambitious band. Um, and after the first album, I never expected to do anything for them. I was like, I never thought, you know, cool, I've done their album for them. And then the second one came around, I was like, would you like to work for us again? I was like, yeah, of course. Mm. And then fast forward like four albums in, it's like, wow, am I the guy that does the artwork for the band now, you know? So we were always, but then the the the, the, the great thing about that or the challenging thing about that quite often is keeping things fresh every time. Yeah. You know, you don't want to turn into like, not dissing Iron Maiden or the person who did Iron Maiden, but it's like <laughs> Iron Maiden like, Mm, wonder who, wonder what's going to be on the next Iron Maiden cover. Oh, is it Eddie? Yeah. Oh, is Eddie? Oh, what a surprise! Yeah. We always use that as a bit of a joke. No disrespect to them, but we always wanted to keep it fresh and do something new. And then with the Welsh language album, they did Mung, which is the highest charting Welsh language uh, records brought up in the uh, House of Parliament. Um, <laughs> I started to work with a brilliant uh, genius designer called Mark James. Um, so we sort of collaborated from them. So that gave that relationship. Uh, a, a, a more variety and basically another brain, yeah, another brain to sort of um, then um, collaborate with, which was really fun. So that kept it kind of fresh. So it was yeah, kind yeah. of like you know, it's sort of like a marriage, really. Yeah. And um, are the band, do the band sort of input a lot, or did mm. they kind of you know? Um, yeah, it depends. They're, they're they're very much uh, very much they were um, throughout that whole 
they're a very much a democratic band. Everyone's okay. everyone votes on 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 their an equal say. Yeah. Um, but they're very um, um, very trusting. Or that trust that that we we kind of built a trust with them very quickly. I went to see them before I had the big meeting. Went to see them in Par Street Studios in Liverpool with a recording, and they had some sort of mariachi horns on um, on one of the tracks. It was Demons, and I went, "Wow, this really reminds me of Love, sort of the the American psychedelic band Love." And they were like, "Oh, do you like Love?" And yeah. so, so we click. So I think clicking with them, um, we had a lot of shared um, shared things in common. The music we liked. Um, and our attitude and sort of being quite playful like in sort of the world of psychedelia and its many forms so um you know clicking with someone is really important as well yes, you know when you happens, when you can when you go and have a drink and have a joke around and and you know send each other music um y- you can almost not necessarily second guess but you can go yeah we can, oh yeah we'll do this yeah so we just came up with stupid ideas. I mean, we did like 50-foot inflatable bears and we put forward this one <laughs> we put forward this one idea once where um, we wanted to do a pop-up album and we knew that would be a bit expensive and we got a reputation for going to Creation, uh, Creation Records and they're going, oh, Mark and Pete are going to come up with some really expensive idea. What are they going to come up with nowadays? So we wanted to sell them the, um, the gatefold album, which we knew would be, uh, sorry, pop-up gatefold album, which we knew would be quite expensive. We thought, let's come up with another idea that's so mad, they'll just go for the pop-up. And the idea yeah, was, they wanted, to hide, they wanted to hide the CD in the record somewhere, so you'd have to really look for it to find it. <laughs> we thought, no, forget that. What we do, you open the gatefold, and it fires a CD at your face. <laughs> we'll, we'll take the pop-up. <laughs> <laughs> But then you know they were in co- we were we were in cahoots. We were in cahoots with the band about that. So they were like, you know, they had a had a, um, a healthy dislike of authority and establishment sort of figures. Uh, you know, being being sort of um, I don't want to don't, don't dwell too much on 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 the on the Welsh and the history with the English. But uh, you know, it, it's that sort of like dis, you know mistrust of 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 authority and establishment being. I suppose a bit punky, yeah. Um, you know, having a bit of attitude, but also not flag waving. You know, it's yeah. just like yeah, we're yeah. Welsh, we're Welsh, and that's important. But that's not, you know, that's not the banner we're we're marching under. You yeah, know? yeah, that definitely comes through. I mean, there's a great sort of sense of humour and fun. And yeah, kind of yeah, and d- and self-deprecate, and yeah. I think self-deprecation, which I think is, um, which I think is is, is good. Yeah. yeah, very good. <laughs> I'm quite happy to take take the take the Mickey out myself. I feel like we're running out of time. There's so many things we haven't uh. even talked about. Um, but maybe if obviously you've had a long career, thinking about it now, do you st- still feel? I mean, you mentioned then about the money in music not being there. I mean, does it still feel like the work that you do that there's still loads of possibilities for people? If you were like 20 doing it now, is it still a great? place to be do you think i think so i i kind of think that for a lot of people the illustration gold rush is over okay i think i don't um i mean i do i i i've an agent um and it's tough you know the big jobs there's not so many big jobs out there i think a lot of people ideally if you illustrate it right let's get a couple of big big fat jobs in a uh, couple of those a year that yeah. will then subsidize my own stuff, subsidise, for example, me doing a print run or me spending a bit of time developing something that needs a couple of, a couple of months' work until it's ready. 
So it's quite often that's how how it, how it works. You know, unless you're just like jobbing, 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 bang, going from job to job to job to job. That's yeah. what you do. But for me, um, I love working with clients, but I love doing my own work. I go mad. I'd go mad if it, if if I yeah, was just doing dream, that. Isn't it? But that's you know that's just me. It's nothing. I'm not you know no judgment on that. But um, you know it, it, it's there seems to be less um, less bigger jobs out there. You know mm. bigger ad jobs. Maybe that's just the death rattle of capitalism. I don't know. But um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, so I think it's I think it's. Um, I think it's harder to make a living. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not rolling in a, in 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 clover. Is that the right term? <laughs> rolling in clover. Yeah, I'm not a millionaire. Put yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, it's still, a, it's still a struggle. It's still, it's still, you know, it, it, it it's, it's still tough earning a living sometimes. Um, but I think there are a lot of opportunities. I think with, uh, you know, now it's not like an old fogey, but um, you know, the internet. And 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 creating uh, with creating uh, uh, digital digitally, I think is a has a, a you know a huge amount of possibilities um, sort of there. Yeah. And self publishing, um, you know, all these things, and it's that DIY thing. Is yeah, 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 absolutely. I think the the internet plugs straight into that whole DIY thing, um, and it just and it also putting yourself out there as well. Um, uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot, or but I think it is changing. I think people are now looking, um, you know, how to do things, how to fund them. You know, like I see a lot of comic artists and certain, some illustrators that are using Patreon. Mm. You know, so people are actually giving their favorite artists. I don't know what five or a month, ten or a month, whatever. All these different things. Them. So yeah. that's yeah, that's an interesting. Thing. And then you know, going going. Mentioned the book, you know, yep. uh, crowdfunding, crowdfunding projects um, can be very difficult to do. Sometimes difficult to hit those hit those those targets. But um, I think it's now an acceptable. Or people didn't got a problem with crowdfunded stuff. I think a while back, people were like, "Wow, what is what is mm. this? Are you doing that because no one else wants to put it out?" And I think it took a while to get the heads around. And people like Unbound. I mean, that is their business model. They yeah. every single book is funded by people who want that book to exist you know yeah I think it's tipped where people now see that crowdfunding is actually an opportunity to get the book that yeah. you want that a more traditional publisher might yeah. not yeah and I think that's a really yeah. I think it's a really good thing and of course like um, costs of producing things has, 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 has dropped there are things that would be prohibited to do a few years back that now are actually you know doable with, yeah. with you know help from people or, or even just funding it yourself yeah, so some good, some bad over yeah. the years. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I think we're going to leave it there, even though I feel like there's a million other things we could talk about. But uh, but buy Pete's book, which is called Decades of Lead, and it's out now, I, is it? It's, no, it's, it's coming out. It's coming out um, you can pre-order it on all the usual places, I believe. Um, and it's out on February, mid-late February. I think okay. the 20th. Um, so yeah, have a look online. I'm sure you find some places to pre-order. But yeah, in all your favourite independent bookshops. <laughs> Very good. And obviously, you can read more about Pete's work and other things on the Creative Review website at creativereview.co.uk. Thanks, Pete. Thank you. Thank you.